You're listening to the Hello CS Dorsey podcast, your one-stop shop for all things motivating while on your entrepreneur journey. Feeling stuck in your business or don't know where to start? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Listen to some of the leading women in today's industry who have been there before to help guide you on your path. Now, here's your host and self-taught web designer, CS Dorsey. Hi, Linda, and welcome to the Hello CS Dorsey podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being on. So go ahead and tell everyone about yourself and what you do. You know, I've uh, been running a, an online mastermind for five years. I absolutely love doing it. And it's all for women. You know, it's about women taking action and it's about them, you know, gaining confidence in themselves to ask for their worth, you know, gaining clarity so that when they do speak about what they do, that they're very clear about it and people understand what they do. And then also about gaining focus because without focus, we tend to, you know, a lot of us, have that squirrel syndrome thing where all of a sudden we're off into doing some other tangent. I found myself doing that today. And what's cool is that I've learned, you know, how to bring myself back and recognize that, oh my gosh, I'm way off of focus here. I need to come back. So this, these are a couple of things that I do with my clients and I absolutely love helping them through those issues. Oh, that sounds awesome. So um, tell us something about yourself that most people don't know. Hmm. I don't know if there's really much that most people don't know because I am an open book. You know, I love to, to share. I, I remember um, somebody would say, they would ask me a question. And I would say, do you want to know the real answer? Because I, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. And so I think something that's fun about me that I don't really talk a lot about is that I play bass guitar in a rock band. Wow. It's so much fun. For how long? I've been doing it. I started playing when I was 48. And so how it's how it happened, actually, is my husband was playing in a rock band and he was playing in a band, not really a rock band, but he would come home from band practices every single week. And he did this for like 10 or 15 years with this one band. And he'd come home from practice every week and say, oh, my God, the music is so boring. I'm just like, bored with it. But I am like, why do you keep going? You've been doing this every week for years. And it's so boring. And you come home complaining about it. He's like, I'm not complaining, you know, because I like the guys. And I love hanging out with them. And I love playing music. I just don't like the music we're playing. So I said, why don't you, you know, quit that band, teach me how to play bass guitar. Let's start our own rock band. And because he's written over 100 songs. And I said, let's play your music. And he said, okay. And so he taught me how to play bass guitar. I put a bass guitar in my hand and, and I, it really took off. And it was really funny because I look back at this and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? After two weeks, I was like, oh my God, we're so good. We need to go get gigs, you know, like after only two weeks of playing. And from there, we ended up creating this band called the Useless Rhetoric is the band's name, Useless Rhetoric. And we played only charity events. So we've raised close to $200,000 for charity in the last several years. And it's been a blast. I love it. And every time I pick up the bass guitar, I just feel like that's the instrument I was meant to play. That is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So my question is, did you guys ever get a record deal? Did you guys do more of your own records or did you do more of just the live bands and I mean the live uh, events? 
the live thing, you know, I, I love playing live. I love, um, I love being in front of a crowd. You know, I, I played flute from second grade to 12th grade. And I was used to, you know, being in, playing in a band, like an, a group and playing in front of an audience, you know, and I loved that applause, right? But better, most important of our band was that we're a charity band. And, you know, it's important for us to, you know, get in front of a crowd and be able to play uh, benefit concerts and things and just raise money. I love putting on events myself. I've put on over a hundred events myself. And you know, a lot of those were these charity events. And I just, it, it fulfills several things for me. I'm a musician deep down inside, you know, I've been playing music since I was in second grade and you know, love singing since I was a little, little kid, but I also love putting on events and I especially love putting on charity events. So by me being in the band, it really fulfilled several different um, aspects of who I am and really enjoying my life. And that was like coordinating the events, bringing all these bands together, putting on this event, being able to raise money for charity and give them a check at the end you know, of the day. And it's, it's interesting because it fulfilled so many different things for me and it made it so, you know, none of it was work, none of it. And I say, I'm saying was right now because we um, haven't played for about a year together. It's time for us to get, get the band back together, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, but it's, it's really something that fulfills my soul, you know, every aspect of it. That's really good. I love the fact that you chased after something that fulfill your soul. And, you know, a lot of times we chase after things and it's not fulfilling, but we're looking at a shiny object and we're, you know, and, you know, a lot of people out there, they're doing things that they they don't love, but they're doing it because of money or they're doing it because, you know, they need to survive, but it's not fulfilling their soul. And I love the fact that you actually did it and, you know, it was fulfillment, you know, I mean, even though, you know, you guys didn't uh, go to the Grammys or go play out, you know, and uh, known all, you know, around the world, but just having that that make you happy. And I I love that. Well, I think that's really important for us to discover what actually makes us happy. You know, I, I grew up in a a very volatile, abusive, alcoholic household and, and my family, there's five kids of of us and we're all singers. And when dad was home, we weren't allowed to sing because he would get angry, you know, which was unfortunate. But when he wasn't home, that house was filled with music. And I kind of lost sight of that musical aspect after I graduated high school, you know, because I played flute from second to 12th grade. I graduated high school and I didn't go on to college or anything like that. And I started my work life, had kids. You know, I, I went through a first marriage, got a divorce after two years. I, I walked out on my, my first husband. I had two babies, a 14 month old and a four week old, you know, so I and then I met my my current husband a couple of years later. And it's interesting how music was part of his life. Music was part of my life, but we had never made it as part of our lives together. And it wasn't until I was 48 years old, he and I had been married for, you know, a couple decades by that time, by the time I said, Hey, let's do something together, you know? And what was cool is that it, because it was such a big part of my life and a big part of his life, when we brought it together, it was just incredible. I mean, literally like, you know, that there's a saying, you you make music together. We literally did, you know, Mm -hmm. we made music together. And when we were on stage, people would come to us afterwards and say, 
Wow, I can tell that you two have something. A lot of people didn't know we were married because we, we didn't announce like, hey, we're married, you know, while we're playing. But people were like, wow, you guys have something. There's some connection. I can see it on stage. Well, it's because, you know, we love each other. And that transcends through our music when we play together. And you can see it in the way we interact with each other. And it's, you know, even though it's not something that we do for money, because we all, we've only done charity events, we've never taken a dime. We've always um, donated every single penny out to the charities that we've supported, but it's something that fills both of our soul. And so when you bring that together and you're doing something you absolutely love doing, my thing is do more of that. Or what are the things that truly make you happy or truly bring that joy you know, inside? You can feel it inside of your body. Do more of that. Figure out what it is and do more of it. I love that. That's awesome. So let's talk about women action takers. So I want to know, when did you decide to do women action takers? What was the process? And how did you come up with the women action takers idea? I love this question because it was a process. It wasn't something that I came up with, like just all of a sudden in one day. I have worked in the corporate world for 36 years. And during those 36 years, I had 49 jobs. So that's a lot of job action, right? (laughs) Going from job to job to job. One year I had eight jobs and I had to keep a spreadsheet. So I made sure I got all of my W-2s, you know, so I could file my taxes. That's how bad it was. I mentioned that because what happened was after the final job, the 49th job, I was working this job, working for a judge in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which was the ultimate job I could have because I was a legal secretary. And I was driving to work one day and I was like, is this all there is? Is this what life is all about? Wow, this kind of sucks, you know? Um, I'm driving to work, doing the same thing every day. It's like freaking Groundhog Day. And I'm not really enjoying my work life. So when I got to work that day, I actually saw an email, I mean, sorry, saw a Facebook message and it was from this woman and it said, I'm a life coach. I took a little break. I'm coming back and I'm looking for five women who want to change their lives. And I was like, I am in, I have got to look at this and do something different. By that time, I was uh, 51 years old. So here I was at 51 years old, looking to like, looking for the purpose of my life. Why am I on this planet? What is my purpose? And so I started working with a life coach and she helped me to discover so many things about myself that I had no idea. Like I used to, um, I used to think I was worthless and that there was no reason for me to be on this planet. I had no value. And a lot of that was because my first husband made sure I knew that I was worthless and I had no value on a daily basis. He would tell me that how stupid and ignorant I was. Right. And so I believed it. And then also, you know, growing up in my family with my abusive dad, there were so many negative things that were thrown at me on a constant you know, daily basis that I believed all those things that no matter how much my current husband told me how brilliant and smart I am and, and how amazing I am, I didn't hear him because it was all overshadowed by all that negativity that had come into my life at the beginning of my life. The first 21 years were the most um, detrimental to my mind. 
And by hiring this life coach, she helped me to unravel all this. She helped me to see how smart I am. She helped me to see that my current husband is right, that I am a smart woman, that I am brilliant, that I am you know, brave, that I am smart and all these things. And what happened was along that process, after working with my life coach for five months, I was driving to work one day and I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm not fulfilled. You know, like the music where it fulfills me and I go out and I do this music and I'm having a blast and it's like, I'm not even working. And my job, I felt like it was drudgery. Every single day driving to work, I was so unfulfilled that I got to work that day and I, I actually gave notice, quit my job. And then I came home and I told my husband, <laughs> by the way, I quit my job today. I'm going to follow my dream and passion of helping people. He's like, what, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know? And I was like, I don't, I don't know what it means. I don't know how I'm going to make any money, but I decided that life is too short and I'm not happy. I was actually miserable driving to that job every day. The job wasn't bad. It was just boring and it wasn't fulfilling. I wasn't utilizing my brain, you know? And so I made that decision and I took an action that day, an action that would forever change my life, right? So I stepped into entrepreneurship from the corporate world. After working in the corporate world for 36 years, I stepped into the unknown, I had no idea what was ahead of me. But as I started to unravel more and more about myself, more and more about who I am, what my purpose is, what my why is you know, going to all kinds of seminars and webinars, hiring mentors and coaches and, you know, downloading free programs, downloading paid programs and working with so many different people along this journey and having all this discovery about myself, I started to realize that I do have value. I do have something to offer this planet and it's time for me to step into it. So I tried so many different things at the very, very beginning when I left out of you know, leapt out of corporate world into entrepreneurship, I started seven different businesses at one time. And I had people be like, what are you doing? You're doing all these things. You're so confusing. But you know what? It was interesting for me because it didn't matter how much I was confusing other people at the time. What mattered is that I was like the caged bird that had finally had the door opened and it was time for me to go try everything. Life is too short. I needed to try everything. And it wasn't about who I'm impressing or who I'm doing this for, because I was doing this for me. For the first time in my life, I was making decisions based on the fact that I wanted to live my life with no regrets. And it was it crazy, probably, but was it what I would need what I needed to do? Yes. So along this journey of trying all these different things, I finally, 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 after five years of trying so many different things, I honed in on the one thing. And this is a mastermind program that I had been, it was one of the first of the five, like, I mean, I'm sorry, of the first, those seven things I tried, the mastermind program was one of the seven. It's the thing I had kept doing all along while I let this thing go and let that thing go. I was uh, starting, one of the things I was starting, I was thinking about it actually today, 
And it was funny because I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? I decided I was going to do destination races where I was going to, you know, have a coach come in and train people on doing like tough mutters and doing all these different adventure races and stuff. And we were going to travel the world and we were going to raise money for charity. And oh my gosh, that bombed big time. Like I lost a lot of money on that. I think I lost about $8,000 on that. But that was nothing compared to one of the other things I did, which I decided I was going to do a food festival. I was going to start doing food festivals because I love putting on events. And I put on this food festival called Lemon Zest and Garlic Fest, an amazing name. People loved it. I had 700 people in attendance at my first event, but it rained out. It was crazy. I I lost $70,000 for that event. You would think after losing $70,000 that I might, you know, put my tail between my legs and go back to corporate world. But no, I said, whoa, look at what I learned. Look at what I learned not to do. And look at what I learned that did work. So let's keep going forward. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. And I just kept taking action after action after action, moving forward, learning from my failures, but keep learning, moving forward. And it really, what's really cool about it is it taught me a lot about myself is that when I have a desire and a passion that I'm going to keep going after it, no matter how many times I fail, no matter how many times I fall flat on my butt, I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to say, that's not a failure. That's a lesson. So along this route, um, this mastermind program that I have, it's Women Action Takers Mastermind Accountability Program, you know, where I help women, you know, we, um, we help them to get track of themselves, right, to stay on track with your know, focused and stuff. But I changed the name of it many, many times until I finally landed on, you know what, this is all about taking action. Every single thing I've done, no matter how bad it's been, the result has been awful. Only, you know, 10 people show up at an event when I expected a hundred, you know, no matter how many times I failed, I kept getting up and taking that action. And I realized that nothing happens without our action. You can hope, you can pray, you can manifest, you can believe, But when those things show up in front of your face, if you don't take action and grab them and go after them, nothing is going to happen. So I realized that we need to take action in order to change our lives. And that's what this program is all about. It's about taking the action, the forward movement. Sometimes you'll fall. Sometimes you'll fail. And that's okay. Get back up and keep going. And we're here to support you through that. And that's one thing I love about the program because it's all about the support We don't all have support in our lives. Like I have an amazing husband that's very supportive. You know, sometimes he looks at me weird, like, what are you doing now? But it's okay. He still supports me and believes in me. But I know a lot of people don't have that. So those are the people I really, really want to help is those who don't have that support at home. Those who have people that don't believe in them. And I want to help them because I believe in them. I know that whatever is there on their heart, whatever they dream about, whatever they desire, they can have it, but sometimes we need support from outside in order to get what we want. So what advice would you tell someone out there to even take that 
first step because that first step is very hard to take. And I know coming from my own personal experience, I have been in a place where if something didn't work out, I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore or I don't want to do it anymore. I've done several things and I'm like, because it's not going the way that I feel that it should go or it's not going the way that I think that it should go. I'm just like that dead stop. (laughs) So what advice could you give someone out there that feel that way and just like, well, it haven't worked before what makes you know me think that it's gonna work now? I mean, that, that's a mindset thing. And my question to you is, what is it that someone could either think to change their mindset or do to take action to change their mindset to say, yes, this is happening? <laughs> this it's happened to me today. It, this happens on a regular basis, you know, uh, where, we start, where doubt starts to seep in, right? We're like, you know, I'm going gung-ho. I have this great idea. Oh, my God, this is so awesome. I'm going to change the world. And then I get out there and I, and I take those first steps and, and I'm moving forward. And then things start to slow down. And because they start to slow down, that momentum that we first felt at the beginning, maybe it's not going exactly the, the path that we thought it would, but maybe it's directing you to something else, something else that you don't know is there yet, right? You might look back, like look back in your life a year ago, where you were a year ago is, are you today where you thought you would be? Are you further ahead than you thought you would be? Are you further behind than you thought you would be? We, we set goals and, and like, you know, we have our dreams and our desires, right? And our passions, we set goals to get there, but it's not always the path that we think we need to take in order to get there. And that's okay. Because what I'm doing today, I got to tell you, everything I'm doing today is nothing like I ever imagined five and a half years ago when I quit my corporate job. Not one single thing that I'm doing today would have been on my trajectory five years ago. That's because I've been open to all the different possibilities. So what do I do when I face those moments? Again, I faced it just today. Just today, I, I got this inkling of, am I really doing the right thing? Is this the thing that really is going to you know, make me the money that I want to make as well as change the lives that I think it's going to change? I've already been changing lives. So why don't I look back and say, look at all the changes I have done. Look at all the people I have helped, you know, and maybe it's just a matter of looking at it and it's a reality check. Remember when you had the idea. Remember back to that moment and you're like, oh, I got this great idea. I'm going to change the world. Remember back to that moment because that moment was your inspirational moment. Something inspired you to grab a hold of whatever it is that you're doing. Something, there was, whatever it was, go back to that, remember what it was, and then remind yourself, this isn't only about you. So I'll give an example. Like, what if today I said, you know what? My mastermind isn't as far along as I thought it would be by now. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to quit. Well, I already have people already in my program and I'm already helping them. You know, I've helped a couple people, you know, double and triple their income. So if I'm helping other people do that and I know that the program is good, why would I quit? My quitting is my own ego getting in the way of what other people need 
So if I love what I do, which I do, I absolutely love this mastermind, the visions I have for it of where it's going to be by February of 2022. Like my visions are extremely strong and I have faith that I'm going to get there. But you know what? It's not happening as fast as I thought it would. But does that mean I should quit? Does that mean I should give up on it? Does that mean I should give up on my my true desire? Should I give up on myself? No. So what I do is when I experienced this earlier today, I went through that whole process. I said, remember what it was like when you had the idea initially? Remember what it was like when you talked to the clients that you currently have and they were excited to join? Remember what it was like last week when we were on a call and they were so grateful for me being there for them? Remember those? Don't let my ego get in the way. Keep going. And that was literally the process I went through. It was just like a couple hours ago, five or six hours ago. I was starting to doubt myself because again, it's not where I thought it should be by now, but it will keep moving if I keep going. The only time we fail is when we quit on ourselves. And I'm not ready to give up because I know down deep down in my soul that this is the program that is going to change the way masterminds are run around the entire world. This is a first of its kind. The way I'm running my masterminds, first of its kind. My coaches think I'm crazy for doing it because I'm investing a lot of my own personal time. The idea about business is to work yourself out of the business, right? So you're not spending all this time in it, but that's what I love. I love spending the time in it. So why would I take that away from myself? So the way I'm operating this program is absolutely, again, it's a crazy way of doing it, but I believe in it. And I know that I'm supposed to be here to change the way masterminds are run. And I can't do that if I quit on myself and I quit on my clients. So remember why you had the idea in the first place. What sparked your interest then? Gain that interest back, gain that spark back and get back on the path that you know you're supposed to be on. You got this. I love it. I feel like we should drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the mic. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You It's taken a lot of years for me to get to this point to have this belief in myself because, you know, again, growing up in that abuse, I... I became a people pleaser and I became a people pleaser. I didn't know this at the time, not until a couple of years ago. I became a people pleaser because of the fear I had. My dad caused so much fear in the household that we had to do, you know, I felt like I had to do whatever I had to do to make dad happy, which translated into all of my relationships later on in life. So for me to get to this point where I'm a positive person, um, I, I see the, I see, you know, making the lemonade out of lemons, you know, these, this isn't who I used to be. I was not like this six years ago. If you met me six years ago, you'd meet a completely different person, but I made a conscious decision in my life. When I heard that life coach that I was going to change. And I knew that in order to change my life, I had to change. So who I am today is not who I was. And I now for the first time in my life, I actually love who I am. That's awesome. That's really good. And to understand and to know that it's not 
having that mindset and having that mindset shift is not going to happen overnight. It's something no. that is a process. It's, it's take a person who wants to quit smoking, for example. I mean, I rarely hear anybody <laughs> saying that they're going cold turkey and never went back. So it's yeah. one of the things you have to either wing yourself off or say, okay, well, maybe because my mom used to smoke and she actually quit like 20 years ago. So that's how I know this analogy. <laughs> but uh-huh. it's a process, you know, it's not something that you're going to say, okay, today I'm, I'm going to think like this, think positive like this from now on for the rest of my life. But I mean, it's something that you have to work at and you have to work on. And I think that's completely awesome that you over the years have been able to say, okay, I've got, I, I was here, but now I'm here. And you're constantly growing. You're constantly refining yourself, refining your business and just continual, you know, continual growth. And I think that's really good. And that's something that our listeners need to, people in general need to hear um, out there uh, that this is something that's not going to happen overnight. You have to work at it, you know? If you see yourself falling or slipping, you say, okay, I did fall. I did slip. What can I learn from it? Like you said earlier. And um, I think that's an awesome point. And another thing is, you know, I was thinking when you were saying, you know, talking to yourself, should I be doing this? But think of the people and that really need it, that is looking for something like that, looking for something different, looking for something new that you have to offer. And I think it's amazing the way that you're doing your program. And I'm going to have you talk about it in a moment. (laughs) And I think it's amazing the way that you're doing your program, because it's something that I have never heard of. And when you explained to me the last time we had, um, when we was on your podcast, and I was like, oh, I like that. Because you, you hear these different masterminds and that's out there, that's thousands and thousands of dollars, I would say. But the way that you structured it, I said, that's something that I definitely want to be a part of because I love the way that you structured everything. Thank you. And you, know, I want to touch on the, the positive mindset. And you're so right. It does not happen overnight. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the smoking. There are some things we can change overnight, right? But mindset, here's the thing about it is, you know, think about, I, I love to use this analogy. Back in the olden days, before there were cars, they had horse and buggy. And the horse and buggy, like in the United States, you know, we have the, the Wells Fargo stagecoach line. Wells Fargo used to you know, carry the money from bank to bank across the United States in these stagecoaches. So from the East Coast, they'd come all the way out to the West Coast. And what happened is eventually they would um, create these ruts in the, in the dirt. So they would you know, travel on the dirt in these stagecoaches. There would be these ruts in the dirt. And so thinking about our childhood, a lot of, a lot of our problems you know, come from our childhood, a lot of them. And so when you have your childhood and you're constantly being berated or beat down or people are making fun of you, you know, you're being bullied and picked on and all these things, those are, that's kind of like the stagecoach running over and over and over this neural pathway in your brain. And so what's happening is it's creating this deep rut, right, of negativity, negativity, negativity. So then when the positivity, like even as an example, 
those deep ruts are so deep from the like late 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. You know, here in California, we have some areas where you can see where the stagecoaches ran, and those ruts are still there after decades of rain, snow, sleet, hail, all kinds of weather has washed over them. The ruts are still there. So think about how just because somebody says something positive to you, when you've had all this negativity in your life that is deeply rutted, you rooted into your brain, it's really, it's like you're throwing some water on top of it and then the water just washes away and then the deep rut is still there. So what had, had had to happen for me, for example, is I actually ended up surrounding myself with extremely positive people, people like in the Napoleon Hill uh, arena, people who are, you know, carrying on Napoleon Hill's work. You know, he wrote Think and Grow Rich way back in the early 1900s. So hanging out with these very positive people had a great positive reinforcement in my mind to help me to rid myself of those deep ruts from my childhood. It did take a long time, I'd say probably about, um, you know, anywhere from a year and a half to two years to where I didn't need their positive influence anymore to see who I really am. I didn't need that reinforcement from the positive people in my life as much because I became my own best cheerleader. I used to be my own worst enemy. Like that's a saying, right? I'm my own worst enemy. So many people say that. What would happen in your life if you could change from being your own worst enemy into your own best cheerleader? It's amazing. It changes everything because just like the example of me saying, you know, I kind of wanted to quit today. But what happened is my, that was my worst enemy was fighting with me. My cheerleader came by and said, wait a minute, hold the horses. You don't know what you're talking about. You got this. You're amazing. You got this. Keep going, girl, because this is not about you. This is about all those people's lives that you want to change. This is about all the people who need you. And so that positivity was not overnight. It took years of that, of positive reinforcement. So what happened, this is what's really interesting, can be scary for some people. Um, it could be exciting for some people, is as I started to change, as I started to go from this negative person changing to this positive person, the negative influences in my life started to disappear. It wasn't by my choice. It just happened. And I looked back after about maybe a year or so, and I said, wow, this person's not in my life anymore. Wow, this person's not in my life anymore either. What's happening here? If I had made a conscious decision to eliminate them from my life, I would have been too scared. But it was a conscious decision that they made. I didn't make the decision. It just happened. And so I bring that up because we have our baggage that we carry throughout our lives. It's time to release that baggage. It's time to let go of the old stories of, you know, having my child, like when I bring up my childhood now, it's not painful for me because I've gotten through that, those issues that you know, the, the so-called like daddy issues, you know, I've gotten through those because I've worked really hard on it. It was, it didn't just happen. I had to work really hard on it. I, I hired people to help me. I couldn't do this on my own. Impossible. That's amazing. Yeah, I had the daddy issues as well. It did take a while for me to completely get over it. It's one of the things that 
I had to understand what he was going through in his mind at the time, the way, the reason why he did certain things. And I said, well, maybe there's something going on that happened in his childhood that he's not telling anyone about. It's like a vicious cycle, you know? So I came to the conclusion that I was like, I'm not going to let my past you know, my father not being around, I'm not going to let that dictate my future. I'm going to actually take that and let that help my future and, you know, help others to let them know, you know, hey, you had a rough past. Yeah, me too. Let's take over the world together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, Let's take over the world together. (laughs) So I want you to talk about your, your uh, mastermind program. Ah, thanks. You know, I I love this program. I've been doing it, running it for five years. I started it. You know, there's there's a saying: necessity is the mother of invention, right? I had a need that wasn't being met, so I created what I needed. And you know, I had belonged to a couple of mastermind programs. For those who don't know what a mastermind is, it's you know one of the principles of Napoleon Hill, who again wrote you know Think and Grow Rich, and it's a book that's like it's called like the Entrepreneur's Bible. And I belong to several masterminds, which is a gathering of more than two minds, two two minds or more. So when you bring two people together, they say one plus one equals 11. Because what happens is, as I say something, CS, you'll, you'll hear it and you'll be like, ah, that sparks an idea in you. And then you say something and then I'm like, oh, that sparks an idea in me. And we just kind of go back and forth. So we're basically like masterminding with each other. Some people call it brainstorming, right? So masterminding, I had belonged to several mastermind programs and they were all run pretty much the same way where we would get together, we'd have four or five people would be on a call we talk about our business. We talk about the challenges we have in our business. And then the other people in the mastermind would come up with ideas like, hey, maybe you should try this or, or have you thought of trying something like this? Why don't you try it and see if it works kind of thing. So we'd get, I'd get all these great ideas and I'd take copious notes. And, and um, at the end of the call, everybody would say, okay, so what are you going to work on this week? And we would talk about what we we're going to work on. You know, I took a note, like this is my I would call it my homework assignment that I assigned myself for the week. And then we would all get off the call and we would be done. And then we'd come back to the call next week. And one of the first things we would do is say, okay, um, who finished what they said they were going to do? And nine times out of 10, none of us did. None of us finished what we said we were going to do. And I kind of started feeling like, you know, I'm in this mastermind program nobody here is really telling me what I absolutely need to do because I wasn't getting coaching. It was people who were in the program who were kind of guiding each other saying, try this and see if it works kind of thing. And I realized that that was a huge problem because I was going off trying things that that weren't working because nobody knew if it was going to work or not. But not only that, most of the time, I didn't even do the things that I said I would do because I have squirrel syndrome. I get easily distracted. You know, I go on to the next thing if I'm not remembering the things I need to do. So I created this program. It's called Women Action Takers Mastermind Accountability Program. What we do is I place the accountability portion that I felt was missing tremendously in in every single program I've been in. I've been in like five or six different mastermind programs. And this element was missing in every single one. 
And that was what I like to call true accountability. So what I decided was that I'm going to gather 10 entrepreneur friends that I have. We're going to get together once a week and we're going to try my new method you know, of masterminding. So we're going to mastermind for an hour. And then the next two hours, we're actually going to be together, whether it's online or in person, we're going to be together and we're going to actually work on the things that we said we're going to do. So you can't get away like with running away and doing something different, like doing the dishes or maybe you got to do laundry or going off and playing on Facebook or whatever it is that distracts you. So right then and there, you're committing to getting something done and you're going to actually do it in that moment. And then at the end of the session, so each session is three hours long. At the end of the session, we're all going to come back together. We're going to say, hey, what did you get done? What did you not get done? And then most of the time, nine times out of 10, this time, my clients actually get done what they said they were going to do. So they walk away from the call, not only having masterminded, not only have being surrounded by these positive, supportive, uplifting women who want to see them succeed and believe in them, but they actually get done the tasks that they knew that they needed to do in order to make progress. They get off the call feeling inspired and now They're actually done for the week if they want to be. It's up to them. So they've actually made progress every single week. No more getting off the call and being distracted by whatever it is we get distracted by. But no, you're making progress because we are there with you every single week on the calls for three hours. It's absolutely amazing. It's all online. I have uh, one of my coaches is actually in New Zealand. And so we're officially global starting March 1st, where I'm launching my program where I have different experts from different fields that can help businesses. I'm launching that starting March 1st, officially global. I'm so excited because eventually this program will be operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we'll have programs running you know, every single day, seven days a week. I'm super excited about it because I'm in the process of turning this vision that I have into the reality. And that's what's keeping me going. I think that's amazing. <laughs> that is Thank amazing. You. Just listening to it. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, this is this was in the works because again, necessity is the mother of invention. I created what I needed. I didn't sit there and say, this isn't working. That's not working and complain and complain, complain. No, I said, this isn't working. That's not working. What can I do? to create what I need. And I found that it wasn't only me who needed it. You know, I, I, Amanda tripled her income in one year because of this program, because of the focus, like helping her to gain that clarity. And then once she gained clarity in her business, she was able to have confidence with that clarity. The confidence helped her to ask for higher rates of her clients. And then she was able to focus on exactly what she needed to do in order to grow her business. And so it's exciting to see that happen because she had to go through a lot of mindset changes. We all have to go through mindset changes in order to change who we are and to have more for ourselves. But Amanda had been on government aid for seven years. She finally got off of government aid after one year. It was so rewarding for me to see that this program really, truly works to change your mindset. 
That's awesome. That's so amazing. I love to hear the testimony. I, I see it on your website and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I love yeah. her testimony. I really do. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Just so, so funny. She did all the work, but I was there just guiding her along the way. And we, we talked earlier about, we didn't allude to this, but comfort zone. You know, we all have a comfort zone. No matter who you are, you have a comfort zone. So the question is, are you willing to step outside of your comfort zone? But what makes it easy to step outside of a comfort zone is having somebody on the other side who is pulling you along and saying, I'm going to come with you. I'm not going to like push you out. I don't like to push people outside of their comfort zone. What I like to do is to bring them into mine. And so it's a, a completely different mental, um, mental state, right? Instead of them having these fears about stepping outside of that comfort zone. I like to say, you know, I'm here with you. And not only am I going to help you, I'm going to guide you along the way. And I'm going to be here and I'm going to champion you the whole way. We're going to make it happen. What is it that you need to do in order to have the success you want? Let's make it happen and let's do it together. It's un. It, I agree with you because it's understanding that you need someone you need that accountability. You need someone to help you and guide you along the way. You cannot do this by yourself. And trust me, I have tried so hard to do this <laughs> alone. But this year, I I said, Candice, you need help. You need some sort of coach. You need some sort of accountability partner or something. So I definitely have a coach. <laughs> yeah. And I got a accountability partner as well. So we meet every week and it's just brainstorming, you know, talking about our struggles and things like that. And I have found that me talking about it and talking with someone and they're bringing their diff- another perspective and not a Candace perspective has helped me so much and mm-hmm. helped me grow and helped me to stay on this path. So I think that's very, very important. Yeah, definitely. You know, I always have coaches ever since I hired my life coach. That was my first coach. You know, ever since I've had her, I've, I've always had coaches because I believe in them. We do need to step outside of ourselves and we really need to find people who are successfully doing what we want to do because we can ask opinions of people all the time, but if they aren't successfully doing what we want to do, why are we asking them? They don't even know what we're going through. You know, so uh, one of my mentors, he loves to talk about, you know, if you're going to write a book, reach out to someone like Mark Victor Hansen, who you know wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Like he co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul with Jack Canfield, who, by the way, I've interviewed both of those guys on my show and I'm excited to push their interviews out. And, you know, it's like find somebody like them who knows how to do it successfully. Otherwise, we're just asking for opinion. And that means we're going to be trying it. It might not work. And then we've wasted time. We've wasted energy and we possibly wasted money. Yeah. Wow. You interviewed them? That's amazing. Oh my goodness. I've been a fan. (laughs) Jack Canfield actually is a fun story. If you don't mind, I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell the quick version, the quick notes version. I was attending this event called City Gala. It was two years ago and it's the Academy Awards after party. And I had asked if I could be on the red carpet interviewing stars and they said yes. So I'm like, cool. Cool. I'm going to be interviewing stars on the red carpet. That's awesome. Well, Jack Canfield was going to be accepting an award that night. So he was there at the event. 
And when I showed up to the event, it was around one o'clock in the afternoon and they were on a lunch break. And when I walked in, this event had had like 400 people that day. When I walked in, there was Jack Canfield and three people talking to him. And so I walked in, I looked at that and I said, oh my God, there he is. I'm going to ask him for a picture. All I wanted was a picture of me with Jack Canfield. That was my whole goal for the entire day. And so I walked in there, I saw them talking and I stood patiently. I have a lot of patience. I stood for about 10 minutes watching them, watching every move and listening to them. You know, when are they going to wrap up this conversation so I could get my picture with Jack? Well, he was facing, his back was to me and the three of them kind of were facing towards me. And it was at the end of their conversation that the three of them walked away and Jack turned around toward me. And now I was probably about 15 feet away from him. So he turned around towards me and started walking. And he said out loud, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get lunch. And I heard those words and I took that opportunity. I grabbed his arm and I said, hey, Jack, I'm going to take you to lunch. Where do you want to go? Just like that. And he said, okay. <laughs> so I took Jack Canfield to lunch that day. I had never met him before. I had seen his work. I've read the success principles. I've read, you know, some of the chicken soup for the soul books. I love what he does. I think he's absolutely amazing. And I took Jack Canfield to lunch. And so the first thing that happened when we showed up for lunch, we sat down at the restaurant. It was a Mexican restaurant. And I said, I just want to let you know, I'm not here to take anything from you. I just want to be in your presence. And that was all I wanted. I just wanted to be in his presence because I wanted to be surrounded by this person who has changed his whole life around. He grew up in poverty. You know, he grew up in a bad, you know, alcoholic household, just like I did. And I wanted to be around this person who had changed their life. And we spent two hours at lunch. It was absolutely amazing. It was the best two hour lunch I'd ever had, you know? So when we were done with lunch, we walked back and my friends were like, oh my God, you with Jack Canfield, what's going on here? Which is kind of funny in itself. And then what happened was later that night, Jack was on the red carpet and I was interviewing stars on the red carpet. So Jack came up and it was my time to interview him. And he said, oh, look, it's my lunch buddy. So that was really cool right there. I was like, he remembered me, you know? And then I interviewed him and, and he gave me as a kind of like a little testimonial right there on the red carpet. And it was really, really cool. At the end of the interview, I said, Jack, tell everybody what you love about me. You know, I just like, okay, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But he did. And it was cool. So I used that as a little testimonial. And it was cool about that too. Like there were several things that were cool about it. But one of the things that was, was really cool that I didn't know about is that earlier that day, Jack spoke and he spoke for about an hour to the audience and they were doing a charity fundraiser. They raised $14,000 times two, so $28,000 for people to have lunch with Jack. Two people bid $14,000 to have a lunch with Jack. I got lunch for $38. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I got this amazing story. Like, it was a fear. Like I, I have fear of talking to people, but for me to have done that, to just like grab his arm and say, okay, I'm going to take you to lunch was so amazing because all the work I had done on myself mentally, emotionally paid off in that moment. Right. Because three years before that, I would have, I would have put my head down and I would have said, oh, I don't want to bother him. I'll just turn around and walk away. That's what I would have done. 
years ago, but now it's like, I saw the opportunity and I seized the opportunity. So it's like, how do we shift the way we think into, you know, you know, grabbing those opportunities? They're all around us. We just don't see them. That's true. You know, it's so funny because when I'm thinking about certain things and I'm like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm like, well, Candace, are you going to die from it? Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not going to die. <laughs> Did you die? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not going to die. Well, just do it. And then my mom, she pushes me so much. She's like, just just go for it. Just do it. And then just to have that person that's in your corner just to push you and just tell you to, to do it, you know? And like you said earlier, a lot of people don't have that. And that's what they need. Yeah. They need someone to just push them and tell them to, to just go for it. But it's always in the back of my mind, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm not going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I, that person just say no. It's like, okay, well, I'll just move on to the next person. Could you imagine like how many famous people out there or people who've created startups, how many no's they got? I mean, I know I've read somewhere where the guys that invented the whole Airbnb thing, they got a lot of no's. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. the person that uh, invented the WhatsApp, or something like that, he had a lot of no's. So imagine if those people would have stopped at that first, second, third, or fourth no, then that product or what we use today would not come into being. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. You like, was it um, Thomas Edison? He failed 10,000 times. He says, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. Right. So it's just perspective. Like, how are we looking at things? It's really interesting because our mindset, everything starts there, you know, or maybe some of it starts in our heart or our soul and then goes to our mind. But our mindset is really what we need to get control over. You know, are you going to let your mind control you or are you going to control your mind? It's really making a a decision, a choice on what you're going to do. I find that I used to be very reactionary. So let's use an example of driving down the freeway, somebody cut me off and I would get angry, like, ah, you know, just kind of have this anger and realize that that's, that's a reaction. I can choose to react or respond though, because the choice of response is sometimes different. So if we, if we're consciously aware of what we're doing and the actions that we're taking, again, there's that word action, right? If we're consciously aware of the actions that we're taking, then we are responding. We're not reacting. It's the unconscious awareness that we react to things. So if we, in that instance of Jack Canfield, that was actually a reactionary thing that happened, but it happened in a way that it was, it was a good thing that happened. If I had taken time to think about it, I might not have reacted that way because I would have thought too much about it. One of my mentors, he's, he gave me the four most important words in my entire life. And that was, you think too much. He just said to me, you think too much because I missed a sale. I was um, helping him to sell some of his programs. You know, he taught me how to sell through selling his program. He's like, if you can't sell my stuff because I loved his, you know, I love his stuff. He's like, if you can't sell my stuff, you can't sell your own because you got to be able to believe in it to sell it. You have, you believe in my program so much, go out there and sell it. And so I did. Well, one day somebody reached out and it was like 1030 at night. I waited to, because I wanted to be polite and I waited until the morning, the next morning to reach out to them. They changed their mind. 
So I told my mentor what happened. And he said, why didn't you reach out to them at 1030 at night when they reached out to you? Well, I wanted to wait until the morning. You think too much. (laughs) (laughs) Like, whoa, we don't have to wait for the right time. There is no right time except now. Now is the right time for whatever it is you're doing, whatever it is you want in your life. Now is the right time. Tomorrow is not promised. A friend of mine two weeks ago, he actually puts on the event City Gala. You know, they raise millions of dollars for charity every you know, the Academy Awards after party. A week after the Academy Awards after party, his event, he was in a serious car accident and was put into a coma. No day is promised to us. No day is promised. You know, he's, he's still in a coma right now. And we're all praying for him. And we want him to survive. And because he's an amazing guy, he's you know done so much good work for for charities and for changing the world, but no day is promised to us. So we must live our life as if today, this last, this is our last moment. That's right. We don't know what's promised. Nothing's promised. That's so true. Oh, that's so sad to hear. And I've been hearing this a lot. I think almost every week or so. I've heard someone that has passed that I knew and it's, I said, Oh no. I said, I gotta get up. I gotta do something. I gotta keep moving. I gotta, I can't ponder. I can't question this. I just, I have to do it. And like we talk about, you got to take action. Okay. So what if it don't work? Okay. Move on, (laughs) you know, keep doing it, keep trying, keep finding, you know, refining, doing another way. But eventually something is going to happen because if you was to leave today, tomorrow, or right now, would you be happy with your life? Would you be happy with what you've done in your life? And I think about that a lot. And I say, well, I have accomplished, you know, a few things, you know, I haven't accomplished everything that I wanted to, but, you know, my mom always remind me and say, Candace, you've done more things in your life that people dream about. And even though you think that it may not be nothing to you, it's something to someone else because people are trying to get there where you have already gone. And I have to constantly think about that and remind myself, I'm a couple more steps further than where someone that's trying to get to that first step. So I'm like, Candace, appreciate it and teach and show others, you know, share your knowledge, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. You have an awesome mom. That's so great to have somebody like that in your life who is supportive. Yeah. She's very supportive. Yeah. (laughs) Now that I've gotten older. (laughs) Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that I've gotten older, she's she's been very supportive of everything. I've been, I've been like, like you said earlier, you, squirrel moments. I've had so many squirrel moments that I don't know what I want to do. I've been all over the place. But once I've gotten really focused this year, I'm like, I love my podcast. Love it so much. I love interviewing other women. I love seeing what other women are doing, making that connection and building relationships. I said, my podcast is here forever. It's going to stay here forever. I said, okay, now what's the next thing that I like doing? So I've just been trying different things and I just stopped and settled on, okay, I love my website design because I have people asking me about it. They see my work. So I was like, we're going to stop at this and then we're going to work on it, refine it and build it and see what can come out of it. 
So that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you just, just keep moving forward, you know, doing the things you love to do. And that's, you know, when my, my mom passed away, it was about two weeks before she passed away. You know, she had, you know, been with my dad for 55 years and there was that abuse for 55 years. And she said to me, you know, Linda, there's so many things I didn't do in life and I have so many regrets. Live your life with no regrets. And I was like, whoa, I never thought about that. Make sure you're spending your time doing things you absolutely love. If you don't love doing it, why are you doing it? If you don't love the life you're living right now, you have choices. There's movies. You know, I I was think about like fantasizing about these movies that are out there where a person like literally just picks up and moves somewhere else and creates a whole new life. Those are options. Is it scary? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, it's, it's creating the world you want to create. So what is that you want for your life? You do have options, but this, but that, but my this, you know, but my family, but my, but, you know, those buts, they just get in the way. And imagine, you know, I had recently, I'll share this just quickly is, you know, recently I had decided to kind of um, ostracize myself from my family, not my husband or daughter or, or son, but my other family, the family I grew up with, you know, my, my brothers and sisters. And it was a conscious decision I made because I realized that the negativity that they had was bringing me down and I couldn't afford emotionally or mentally to be around that right that time, you know, cause I had, I've been building my base. So I've been building my, my strength, my, my base of being able to stand on my own two feet and to stand up for myself for the first time in my life. You know, growing up as a people pleaser, I never stood up for myself because I wanted to make sure everybody else was happy. So because I was building my base, I couldn't be around that negativity because it would bring me back down into my childhood traumas. And so I made a decision and I told them, I said, you know what, for right now, until I'm ready, I can't be around the family. I just can't because what's happening is every time I get around you guys, I start to feel bad about myself. I start to feel negative about myself and I can't be there emotionally. And so whether they were causing it or not, wasn't the point. The point was that I wasn't able to be around that. And so they didn't like it. They weren't happy about it, but I said, I'm doing this for me. And so I made that decision and it was right before Christmas of uh, 2018. And so a year went by, it was coming up to Thanksgiving, 2019. And I looked at myself and I said, you're strong now. You can handle it. So go ahead and let them know that you're ready to show up for Thanksgiving if they want to have you. Now, my husband had still gone to Christmas dinner with my family last year, but I didn't, you know, I mean, the the year before. And so I called him up and I said, you know what, I'm ready. If you guys would like to have me for Thanksgiving, I'd love to be there. And they said, yes. And so I showed up and, and everything was fine. But it was because I stood up for myself for the first time. This is my family. These are the people who you know, shaped me into who I was, you know, and I had to stand up for them. I had to stand up to them in order to be able to step into who I really am today. And it wasn't until then that I really knew that I was on solid ground and that I could really stand for myself, be who I am and not worry 
about what anybody else thinks about me anymore because I was able to stand up to my family. It's really good that you recognize that because a lot of people don't recognize that or they fail to to even recognize that maybe there's something or someone or some people in their life that's poisoning their them and creating those negative thoughts or mindset and then they don't even realize it until like maybe if you're not around them for so long you thinking to yourself, well, why am I thinking positive? You know, <laughs> and then when you get back to the yeah. people around the people, you're like, oh, I see why now. <laughs> but it's the yeah. truth. You know, it's the truth. You have to surround yourself with people that they don't necessarily have to think like you, but you want to surround yourself with people that are giving you positive thoughts or fueling you with positivity and you know giving you that love I would say versus poisoning your thoughts and cause you to think negative thoughts and things like that so I really applaud you yeah I really do applaud you thank you so it it took a lot for me to get there that's for sure yeah, I'm pretty sure because, you know, you think about it, it's your family. And, you know, it's the same way with, you know, my mom and I, we're, we're we live in a, a different city from my family. And, you know, it's, it's a, like a bridge between us. <laughs> it's kind of like maybe four or five minute drive or so. But it's one of the things that, you know, even though we're here and they're all centralized in that area, we're like, oh, well, maybe we need to hang out with them or whatnot. But uh, sometimes it's like, well, maybe we're here for a reason. Maybe we're not close. Like everybody is close in the central location. Um, they can like drive literally a couple of minutes to each other's houses versus us. We're kind of like all the way here. So I'm like, maybe we're far apart for a reason. And it's to recognize that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So any last minute advice you have for our listeners out there? You know, it's the thing is like, what do you want for your life? You get one shot at this thing that we call life. And, you know, it, there might be people out there that you look up to and, and you say, wow, look at them, what they're doing. I wish I was doing that or I wish I had what they have you can have what they have. You can do what they're doing. It's just a matter of you finding the path to get there. Sometimes it's a matter of just reaching out to them and asking for advice. And you might be surprised. There's a saying that the the most successful people are the most available people. And I found this out because I reached out to somebody who is really well-known and ask them if I could interview them. And they're like, yeah, of course. You know, they, a lot of times we're scared to reach out to people because of their quote unquote status. You know what? That status is something that we've put on them. They're just regular people. They put their pants on the same as we do. You know, they brush their teeth just like we do, hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, the thing is that they're, a lot of them are available. Now, some might feel entitled and might not uh, respond, but not all of them. So reach out to those people who are doing what you want to do and find out how can I do that? What are the steps that I need to take? And then if you're, you know, if you're interested in finding out about my mastermind, you know, it's womenactiontakers.com slash MM. 
or mastermind. Go check it out and you know see, see if it's something that fits for you. It, it's a program that was created for those who want to you know find clarity in what they're doing, who want to gain confidence, and who want to focus so that they can get the results that they want. That's awesome. And we were definitely going to add the uh, links in the show notes. We're also going to add where everyone can find you in the show notes as well. Um, So I am so happy that you were able to join today on today's podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I was like, yay, it's going to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I really, I love what you're doing and I love how, you know, real and raw your podcast is. And I think that's really important today. You know, we don't want a lot of fluff. People are, people are tired of the fluff about, you know, people just like sell, sell, sell themselves. And it's, it's about really making these connections and having these great conversations that hopefully are providing some thought provoking, you know, content for the people listening. Definitely. And I said to myself, I said, what is it that I really want in my podcast? And I listen to other people podcasts that I, you know, that I follow when, but they have like the, they've been doing it for a while. They have their systems, they have, you know, their sponsors and things like that. And um, I say, you know, I don't want to have to edit, edit, edit. I mean, no one is perfect. If I say, um, and the, (laughs) then I'm just going to say, I'm like, I'm a human being, you know? And I said, I want to edit as little as possible. And I want this to be a, a complete conversation. And you know, I want people to understand that, you know, you could get a lot of value out of just one conversation that two people are having, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I Definitely. love it. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show today. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes and more. Head over to hellocsdorsey.com to subscribe. And remember, nothing is impossible. So make the impossible possible and take action today. We'll see you next time.